As soon as you're done listening to this episode, I want you to do two things. I want you to go to kidslisten.org because that's where all of our friends live in the digital world and there's all sorts of great content. But I also think you might enjoy visiting our new partner. Dig this. The History List is a great resource to find out about the historic sites and events that you might need to plan your next trip. And they have History Nerd shirts, sweatshirts, caps, stickers, and more for history lovers and all sorts of unique items from historic sites. For being a listener of The Past and the Curious, when you go to thehistorylist.com and make a purchase of $25 or more, you'll save $5 on your first purchase when you enter The Past and the Curious. All one word, no spaces, no ampersands, no nothing. The Past and the Curious as the discount code. Thank you for listening to The Past and the Curious, and thank you to our new friends, The History List. Hello, Neiman Marcus 1971 Christmas Catalog Hotline. Can I interest you in any groovy purchases today? Oh, uh, yes, hello. I'm looking at your catalog, and uh, I'm not sure it's in my budget, but I'm interested in learning more about the his and her sarcophagi set. Sarcopha what? Do you, do you have a cold? Sarcophagi. It's the plural of sarcophagus. Sar- G- Gus? Who's Gus? No, there's no Gus. It's a Greek word, sarcophagus. It's like a box, like a funeral receptacle for a corpse. You mean a dead body? Uh, oh, I'm very sorry for your loss. No, that's not it. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in ancient Egypt, and I might like to have the ancient Egyptian set of sarcophagi you are selling in your catalog. Well, that sounds kind of strange. You just want to have a pair of coffins in your living room? I mean, I have a pet rock, but this seems super weird. Listen, it's just like sort of like a coffin, but it's more ornate. Like, it's really decorated and is typically kept above the ground. Some people like this stuff, but I've never seen such a nice pair of sarcophagi for sale. By the way, you, you might like to know that sarcophagus means flesh-eating in Greek. Flesh-eating? Like a zombie? Well, no. More like a mummy, actually. A zombie mummy? No, of course not. Anyway, your catalog claims they are ancient Egyptian artifacts. This is in our catalog, you say? Yes, that's why I called. Do you have a copy there? It's on page 23. Uh, let me see. Oh, yes! Those are really nice. The finest in ancient Egyptian sarcophagorian splendor. You can enjoy eternal rest in a style befitting a pharaoh. And until your own eventual mummification, you will always have a conversation starter. I really think you need these. Just a minute ago, you didn't know what I was talking about. Oh, I was con- I was confused. Confused about the only pair of 2,000-year-old ancient Egyptian artifacts you're selling in a Christmas catalog? I thought you were calling about a soap-making kit. So, are you going to buy these things or not? I think I'm going to sleep on it. Whoa, you're going to use this coffin for a bed? Dude, that's weird. Uh, Never mind, I'll just call back later. Thanks. Hey, it's the Past and the Curious Christmas Special. The second annual featuring Squeezebot, 
And me! And me! And me, Mick Sullivan. This episode features your fair share of mummies, bladders, and outhouses. Thank you for a great year. Hope you enjoy. Giving gifts at the holidays is a long-standing tradition. But shopping hasn't always been. It's been a long, strange road to get to today, when people head out to the malls for sales or just order online in their pajamas and wait for the delivery person to leave some brown boxes on the front porch. There have been all sorts of gifts. But one of our favorite Christmas gift stories comes from a young William Clark, the boy who would grow up to be one half of the Lewis and Clark dynamic duo who led the Corps of Discovery. In the late 1700s, long before he'd meet Sacagawea, encounter grizzly bears, or befriend the Nez Perce Indians, he was a boy learning his way around the woods near his home called Mulberry Hill in Louisville, Kentucky. At that time, Louisville was the frontier, far removed from the East Coast, and his home was miles away from most of the other people in the area. Finding presents was not something that happened with ease. As you can imagine, many of the gifts took the form of food, or else they were simple toys that one could make with the basic tools and some wood, perhaps. However, William later remembered one of his absolute favorite gifts, which was about as natural as they come. You know what a bladder is, right? It's that bag-like thing inside you and me and all the animals that, well, it holds the pee inside your body before you pee it out. Because it has to hold pee, it's a lot like a balloon. It's expandable, it's round when inflated, and made of a really tough membrane that makes it very difficult to puncture. And it's for this reason that people around William's time would use animal bladders like a canteen or a water bottle. It's easy to carry water around without spilling it. The only real drawback is that it used to be full of pee. Other people would take those bladders, blow them up with air, seal both ends, and voila, you have a ball. Surely, William played with a bladder ball at some point in his life. But that's not his fondest Christmas bladder memory. Months before the holiday, when the pigs would be slaughtered to provide food for the long, cold winter, he and his siblings, they saved some bladders. They inflated them, and they tied them to the wall of the barn and let them dry. This meant the tough membrane walls of the bladder, well, it would weaken a little bit. Otherwise, they might not get the desired results on Christmas morning. And when that cold day rolled around, after a meal around a nice warm fire, the kids ran to the barn to get their bladders ready to celebrate. And taking those bladders from the wall, they made their way to the open field, ready for a noisy celebration like none other they'd heard. It was a time well before 4th of July fireworks celebrations, and in the middle of the wilderness, the sound of an exploding pig bladder was probably a pretty spectacular and exciting thing. Oh, and it was. 
Each of William's siblings leapt high into the air, aiming to come down squarely with both feet on an air-filled pig bladder. And if they landed it just right, the membrane would pop with a pop that sounded like cannon fire to their ears. Now, a century later, getting gifts was a little bit easier and looked a little more traditional by today's standards. Of course, in the late 1800s, in big cities, you could find just about anything. But in the smaller towns, especially in the Midwest and the South, the selection could be pretty small at the local general store. Enter a man named Richard Sears. Richard worked as a railway agent in Minnesota. And one day, a box of watches came through the station for delivery. The jeweler, whose name was on the box, refused to sign and accept those watches, saying that he didn't order them. And as such, he certainly would not be paying for them. So Richard thought about it and said to himself, you know who needs watches really badly? People who work on the railroad. So he paid for them himself, and in a short time, he had sold all of the watches to station masters along the very same railroad track that he worked. With a nice profit in hand, he bought a few more, eventually moving to Chicago and partnering with a man named, yeah, you guessed it, Roebuck, and they went into business selling watches. But it expanded. Before long, the idea of selling through a catalog and being able to offer nearly anything to anyone anywhere was the goal Sears set out to tackle. And in 1895, he did basically that. The catalog that year was bursting with 530 pages of amazing stuff to buy. You could get horse-drawn wagon, horse not included, furniture, guitars and banjos, baby carriages, jewelry, dinner plates, you name it, they had it. Why, you could get a pair of leather ladies' boots for $1 and a men's suit for as low as $6.95. You could even buy a child's velocipede an old style of big-wheeled tricycle for like 4 to $12, depending on the size you needed. The deals were good, but don't take our word for it. Listen to a real testimonial. Dear sirs, I received the suit of clothes and am very pleased with them. They could not fit better if you had taken the measure yourself. Please send me some samples of plaid and other dress goods. Yours respectfully, Mrs. Calling. Now, as you can imagine, many a present was bought through an old Sears and Roebuck catalog. Toys, clothes, underwear, you know, everybody's favorite presents. But in the early 1900s, the catalog actually offered some things that might surprise you. The most amazing to us? Houses. Yes, you could order a home out of a Sears catalog, and it would ship to your location in the form of a kit. Parents, if you think Ikea is hard to assemble, imagine trying an entire home. In 1908, Sears offered 44 different styles of homes, priced anywhere from $360 to $2,900. And over the next decades, the company sold over 70,000 kits for houses. And many of these houses still stand today in cities like Bristol, Rhode Island, Cincinnati, Ohio, Washington, D.C., Wood River, Illinois, and more. Perhaps there's a Sears and Roebuck house in your neighborhood. 
One more thing on that Sears and Roebuck catalog, though. If you know anything about catalogs, you know that they eventually expire and a new one needs to be published. Nowadays, you'd throw that old catalog in the recycling bin, but in the late 1800s, there was another use for it once it was out of date. You see, toilet paper was pretty new at the time, and not everyone was using it. Or, or at least, not everyone was paying money for it. Not when they had what they believed to be perfectly good paper for wiping already sitting around. It was not uncommon to hang old catalogs on the wall in your outhouse and tear pages out of that catalog when you needed to clean yourself. For this reason, it is commonly said that some people called that catalog from Sears and Roebuck, uh, well, they called it Rears and Sorbutt. But homes are not as strange as this last Christmas present. In 1971, the owner of a catalog company called Neiman Marcus went on morning television to give viewers a sneak peek of what was in the catalog that people would start receiving in their mailboxes soon. Now, this particular company specialized in luxury gifts for the rich. So there probably wasn't something for everyone. There certainly wasn't anything for me in there. I don't need a helicopter, and I don't need a bag of uncut diamonds, and I certainly don't need gallons, literally gallons of expensive cologne. I couldn't afford any of that stuff even if I wanted it. To put it another way, if you're in the market for an exact reproduction of a Zeppelin blimp or a crystal-covered Mr. Potato Head, well, Neiman Marcus is ready to take your money. But all of these outlandish and extravagant gifts that have been featured in the catalog, they pale in comparison to the His and Hers sarcophagi set from 1971. Said to be over 2,000 years old, these ancient Egyptian artifacts were ornate, shaped boxes, sort of like coffins, in which a mummy would have been laid to eternal rest. The owner of Neiman Marcus met a man at a party in London who offered to sell him the pair of empty cases. It seemed like a great opportunity, so he bought them and put them in that year's Christmas catalog for the bargain price of $6,000. And as you might imagine, they had very little serious interest until a museum in California decided to take a chance and buy them. When they arrived at the Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum, the curators opened both of the sarcophagi. The first one was empty. Guess what they found in the second one? They found a mummy. Now, we have two issues with this story. First, even though he's been dead for 2,000 years, we can't help but feel a little bad for that mummy. He just wanted to be buried and left alone. He didn't ask to be purchased and sold in a catalog and taken from his resting place to a strange new land. Not that he's aware of it or anything, but still. I hope something like that never happens to me. But the other thing that I want to point out is that all of these stories about gifts, well, they mostly focus on stuff, physical things. But you know what the greatest gifts are? The fun, happy moments and memories and cool experiences. So while we hope everyone listening gets a few gifts that they really like this season, we also hope you might get a few great experiences in the months ahead. What a gift it is to go see a ballet performance or experience an orchestra or other concert, or to go to a parade or a museum or a play. 
Enjoy it, folks. Those are the things that make being a human great. Of course, maybe instead of any of that, we could all be like William Clark and pop hogs bladders. That memory obviously stuck with him, and I bet it was really fun for the entire family. So, thank you, friends, for letting us be a small part of your life yet again. We hope you get to spend time with people you care about, and we hope you have a wonderful break. If you're interested, we do have a Christmas special from last year that is also available on the website, thepastandthecurious.com. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher as well. It's a little rough around the edges because we were pretty green back then, on top of being really tired from having a month-old baby around the house. But it's still really fun, and it's about one of my favorite Christmas subjects. Pickles. Yeah, pickles. So check it out, eh? All of the music in this episode has been provided by Squeezebot. It's a band that I play in uh, with some really good friends. And I want to leave you with a, with a Christmas tune. We did it last year. We'll do it again this year. Uh, this is The Carol of the Bells, and it is arranged by Todd Hildreth, uh, the accordion player who plays so well on this tune. He's a great guy. He's a great player. And he's made a really fun arrangement. Uh, it starts off like The Carol of the Bells. But since we talked about Christmas and we talked about Zeppelin a little earlier in the show, well, we got a little Zeppelin later in the show, too. So check it out. We hope to hear from you, and we'll be talking at you soon. <laughs>